Hey guys, we've got to that point in the show where we need to start depending on listeners like you to help keep this thing going. What are we, fucking PBS? Oh yeah, you know it. I'm LeVar Burton. I wanted to be LeVar. Fuck. All right. I caught it first. Yeah, I'm hosting we... Jeopardy. <laughs> are you though? Listen guys, we, we need your help uh, to help keep the lights on as they say. Uh, we are launching our Patreon for Masters of the Cinematic Universe. Yes. Yes. And we have uh, different tiers that you can sign up for and pledge to, just like PBS. Um, you get some different real cool gifts and prizes and merch, uh, depending on the tier that you sign up for. Oh, we got all the tiers. Oh, yeah. You Back. can either be a friend it, of the show, a oh. friend with benefits. Ooh. We just we could start to get serious, or you could just put a ring on it already. Yeah. Ooh, damn. And if you uh, if you exceed that amount, uh, you know we'll send you some not safe for work picks if, if you want. <laughs> it's not safe for your eyes picks in my case, but <laughs> not safe for anything right. picks. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, guys, check out uh, patreoncom motcu. Uh, take a look at well, all the different tiers that we're offering. Lots of cool. Uh, swag coming your way from stickers to t-shirts to getting to pick the film that we uh, talk about. Yeah. The yeah. tears started at a dollar. A dollar a month. Come on, what? folks. That's it? Yep. One buck to get in on that on that number one tier. And All with right. that, you even get the live chat with us anytime you want, as well as a shout out on every episode. Right. So, come on. That's less than a cup of coffee a month. Jesus, what a steal. Yeah, guys, right? check it out. Again, patreon.com slash M-O-T-C-U. And then enjoy this week's movie. All right, so Donnie had time to burn a house down. Who knows how far away it was from the movie theater, by the way. Yeah, really. Well, I've read some trivia that from listening to the movie in the background, it's about an hour he was gone. Okay. From where where he left to where he came back, okay, to right at the end of the movie. So, so that now, would, that would imply that Gretchen is a heavy ass sleeper. Oh, she was unconscious. Yeah. So, so if we were to like take this to like a modern day equivalent, would Donnie be basically uh, Danny McBride's character in Vice Principals and Frank be Lee Russell? <laughs> Walton Coggins' character <laughs> <laughs> when they burned that bitch's house down. Yes. Exactly. Uh, yeah, that was like one of my. I was that was when that show just hit. And I was like, "Yep, this is the show." <laughs> oh, and real, real quick trivia about that. Um, they were they used Evil Dead. I forget the movie they were trying to use, but they couldn't get the rights to it. And um, uh, Sam Raimi just said, "Here, take it for free." He didn't charge him a dime for it. Oh, nice. Just let him use it. Yeah, so that oh, was pretty cool. cool man. Yep. That's yeah. funny because like usually these movies have to use like Night of the Living Dead because it's like yeah. one of those weird things that like no one owns it. You know. Well, that's that was the thing. They they I, I can't remember the damn movie, but they couldn't find out who owned the rights to it, so they couldn't use it. And then they and then Sam Raimi got wind of it and said, "Here, just take it. It's all it's all good. I dig what you're doing." Oh, that's cool, man. Yeah, that makes me yeah. like Sam Raimi even more than I already do. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he comes back and sits down, and th- that wakes Gretchen up. Yeah, exactly. yeah. But then again, you got to remember she is one of the manipulated something. Well, spoiler alert, and uh, you know that could have been out of her control. So, right. Um, 
as that's happening, we get uh, firefighters, you know, investigating the, the house. Um, Gretchen and Donnie wake up in a field, which Donnie's apt to do, but now he's got company. And then we get this cool scene between Donnie and his dad, which I feel like, again, was not in the original cut. But it, it even further develops that relationship where, like, you know, they're so different. But he loves his son so much, and he just wants him to know that he supports him. And it basically tells him, like, hey, fuck everybody else. Like, you do right. you, and you be who you're going to be, and don't worry about it. And it was a great moment. Another one that I appreciated for, you know, not having really seen before. So, um, Now, I, I warned you guys, I don't have many clips from this point on because I was so dumbfounded. Like... <laughs> Like this scene happened, and I'm like, "How the fuck is is this new? Do I not remember it?" So, yeah, I was like, I had to like send you a message. I'm like, "Are you sure there's no more clips? Like this yeah. is the last yeah. one?" <laughs> yeah, I know. Believe me, I know. Um, we're gonna power through, but that's what you need to take away from that scene is that it's it's touching. Um, also important to note, the firefighters found a, a secret vault in Jim Cunningham's house. That was uh, a quote kitty porn dungeon. Yeah, and uh, the news shows him getting carted off into a police car. It's all lies. There's no way. <laughs> oh, poor kitty, man. Oh, she's yeah. devastated. Her life is just turned upside down. I mean, um, <laughs> the principal is calling. Uh, oh God, what's their character's name? I'm losing it. Uh, Drew Barrymore. Jeez. The, the, yeah, Drew I, it Barrymore. Was, <laughs> I, was <laughs> I know. It's a bad it's a bad habit I have with this Karen, character. Too. Karen Pomeroy. That's right, Karen. Uh she's getting canned from her teaching gig because her methods are just too weird. And I love the character, but I'm almost inclined to agree because that, that sit next to the boy you think was the cutest. Uh Yeah, exactly. That would get brought up at a PTA meeting for sure, man. Yeah. Um, so she's losing her job she's frustrated she screams fuck and uh, it's it's a pretty powerful moment right who catches her is it Charita that he yeah, was she, yelling she, yeah, yeah Charita yeah she's just sitting there like what the fuck yeah yeah um, but before she goes she has one last convo with Donnie and she she wrote the phrase cellar door on her chalkboard. Yeah. And he asks about it and she goes on to explain that, you know, um, she's fascinated with it because uh, there's a famous linguist who asserted that it was the most beautiful sounding combination of words in the English language. Right. Well, that's kind of cool and neat. Was, and... Yeah, and J.R.R. Tolkien was the one who said that, actually. Oh, okay. Apparently, he, he mentioned that that removing the context of what those two words mean, the sound of those words together are, are beautiful. He didn't say the most beautiful, but that they are, it's absolutely beautiful. Which um, it instantly reminded me of the band Escape the Fate because they have a song called Cellar Door, and <clears throat> that song only was in my mind because the fucking Moana main song that. Is basically a ripoff of that fucking Escape the Fate song that came out like <laughs> seven year or eight years earlier. 
and it's called Cellar Door. Okay, yeah. you get the it, scoop, man. And because like the first time I watched Moana, I'm like, I know this fucking song. Like I'm like, I know this melody. Where the fuck do I know this from? Then I like started listening and I figured it out, and I was like, ah, like my. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then Ronnie Racky went to jail and nobody cared and he came back out and it fell in reverse. <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry, some, my digression. Some of your uh some of your stories are hard to recover from. <laughs> <laughs> that's that you know, and that's not like it's not meant to be an insult. It's just like I don't I don't know what to do with that information. Did you never listen to Escape the Fate? I, I've heard band. I've heard of them, but I'm not super familiar now. Oh, so I've good. I've probably heard more Notorious B.I.G. than I have heard <laughs> Escape the Fate. But you'd, you'd probably really like Escape the Fate way more. Probably, I would think I would. Yes. There, there's guitars, drums, and bass. There you go. That's all I need. <laughs> and a singer. All right. I'm and no board. rapping. I'm on board. <laughs> Although, when they did become Falling in Reverse later, they covered Gangster's Paradise, which is a fucking fantastic cover. You know that's that's risky. Like when you cover a classic hip hop song as a as a rock band, it can go one of two ways. It can be really cool, or it can be just cringe city. I'm not gonna play it on here, but I will send you the link to it so yeah, you can play yeah. it on your send own later. Link. And it's actually really fucking great. It was on one of those um those um punk goes albums, like the yeah. punk goes rap or whatever. Um, I wonder if I can do this. I'm gonna mute myself for a second so it doesn't just start playing. I, I like the Weird Al version better, anyway. <laughs> well, that's a whole. That's like that's not a cover. That's a parody. No, 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 that's no, a cover. <laughs> oh, it's punk, it's punk goes '90s. Yeah, send it to me. I'll listen to it. it it's actually fucking super fun. Like the breakdown. Oh, I just the guy. I'm just gonna send it to you. All right. All right. So uh, we find out that the kids are going to Star Search, which is fantastic. But we also find out that uh, Jim Cunningham is a pedophile, and uh, we get to see Kitty's reaction, which is again heartbreak. Like this is her, her hero. Uh, Kitty's looking for help because her mission is now clear. Like she can't take these fucking kids to Star Search. She's got to stay behind, and she is heading up the uh, defense of Jim Cunningham because she yeah. cannot. She cannot reconcile the fact that this guy had a kitty porn dungeon. She won't even let people say it out loud. It's, it's just not possible. Yeah. Right. So she goes to uh, Mama Darko's house. And again, this was not her first, second, third, fourth. I know fourth. that's her name, but when you say Mama Darko, it just sounds like... <laughs> Mama Darko's my hip-hop name. That'd be pretty good. Oh, it's pretty good. But she needs she needs one of the mothers of uh, the kids on his dad's squad to, to take them to Star Search, and it can't be her because she's got to do this. So, uh, Mama Darko is her last uh, remaining mother. Like, she's asked everyone else. No one else is <laughs> She available. makes it clear that she's her last child. Yeah. She said, I never would have fucking asked you if I didn't have to. Yeah. Uh, and, again, just fantastic acting. You know, just pure desperation. Uh, Joe, if you want to hit this this clip for me. This is actually the last clip that I have. But it, Yes, it's... I definitely want to hit this clip. Yeah. Rose, Kitty. Rose, I'm sure that you're aware of the horrible allegations against Jim Cunningham. I know. I saw it on TV, something about a kitty porn. Oh, please, please, don't use those words. It's obviously some kind of conspiracy to destroy an innocent man. 
And I have taken it upon myself to spearhead the Jim Cunningham defense campaign. Rose, I have to appear at his arraignment tomorrow morning. And as you know, the girls are scheduled to leave for Los Angeles in the morning. Now, as their coach, I was the obvious choice to chaperone them on their trip, but... But now you can't go. Yes. Hmm. Now, believe me, of all the other mothers, I would never dream of asking you, but none of the other mothers are available to go. I don't know, Kitty. It's a bad weekend. Eddie's in New York. Rose, I don't know if you realize what an opportunity this is for our daughters. This has been a dream of Samantha's and, and all of ours for a long time. I made her lead dancer. Sometimes I doubt your commitment to sparkle motion. There's another line that is said very often in this house. Yes. <laughs> I, so, I completely get it. Yep. <laughs> Sometimes I doubt your commitment to sparkle motion. <laughs> oh, she's just mad because it was kitty porn instead of kitty porn. Oh, oh she, she wish it would have been kitty porn. Yeah, bet, yeah definitely. she definitely does. So, reluctantly, Rose does agree to chaperone the kids and she lets Donnie know and also has this kind of heartfelt moment with him where you know lets him know like I love you no matter what because he point blank blank asks her like how does it feel to have a you know a crazy person as a son she says it feels wonderful so we get to see this sort of outpouring of support from from Donnie's family um it's kind of nice because he's he's a bit of a uh, brat, you know, and uh, it's nice to see them not hold that against him. So they're off on their trip. He says goodbye to his mother and his little sister, and it's just him and uh, Maggie, Jill and all, uh, back at the house. And just for the uh, purposes of jumping ahead a bit. Um, we get our last therapy session, which is heartbreaking, and uh, it's still under hypnosis, but uh, Donnie's very scared and is embraced by the therapist and snaps out of it and doesn't know what the hell's going on. Um, the Darko kids decide to throw a party, a Halloween party, no less, and... Uh, we get the most low effort Halloween costume ever <laughs> from the spookiest kid in the whole goddamn movie. Yeah. It's a, everyone else is putting effort. We got Hulk yep. Hogan. We got a Viking. Yep. I mean, just creative costumes. And yep. Donnie throws on this dollar store skeleton costume and puts a hoodie on over it. He, he can't even karate kid that shit and put some face makeup on. Yeah. Like, nothing. No, yep. no effort. I gotta he could give have it, just took his shirt off. Could, yeah, exactly. I got to give it to uh, the Hulkster. That was I know. fantastic. I'm just really glad he wasn't dressed up like a cowboy. Who wasn't dressed up no. like Are we making Tommy. a Brokeback Mountain reference? Yes. Uh, okay. All right. At least I got there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you? <laughs> Did you now? <laughs> yeah. I got there a few times. Oh. Uh, all right. So we get 
like I said, more uh, of this this book exposition. We're now talking about the manipulated dead, and they will set what's called an insurance trap. The living receiver, which is Donnie, must ensure the fate of all mankind. So, what does this mean? It means... It means motivation. Exactly. Right. Um, What is going to inspire him to make the sacrifice he has to to save all of existence? Um, And we'll find that out shortly. Don't you worry. So at the party, uh, Donnie starts freaking out. He wants to get out of there. He wants to... Oh, that's right, because he looks into his girlfriend's uh, invisible chest uh, tube. That sounded weird. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But he looks in there and he sees all these freaky visions, as as he does, and all of a sudden he's like, we gotta get out of here, we gotta find uh, Grandma Death. So the kids get on their bike, all E.T. style and stuff, and in the dead of night, make their way down to Grandma Death's house, where they find what? A cellar door. So Mm -hmm. again, we have characters who are saying stuff to this kid that, uh, you know, are they really saying it? Are they being instructed to say it? Or is it subconscious? When did Uh, he send her the letter? Um, he, he wrote the letter and sent it. I kind of breeze past that but it was uh he put it in the mailbox he didn't send it right then he just yeah. put it in he was with uh, gretchen and he put it in the mailbox yeah. it's when yeah, she was looking at them from the yeah because from... she was standing up looking at him yeah Cause i know that had to have happened before this because she goes down to check the mail that's true yeah no he definitely wrote her he, he wrote that bitch because so by him writing the letter she's going down to get it which causes this chain of events to happen absolutely so they go down to the cellar, uh, breaking and entering, <laughs> which, okay. And uh, lo and behold, the bullies are down there, too, which, first of all, why are they down there? Yeah, exactly. It's just very weird. Yeah. Doesn't, you know, yeah, they have no re- uh, Maybe they were trying to... S- there was a throwaway line earlier in the movie where the dad was talking about Grandma Death and how she was rumored to have all of these, like... Uh, rubies or gems or something and kids would try to steal stuff from her. Yeah, maybe. Right. So you could make that argument. But, That's true. But there were also the manipulated living, so they, they had no choice. They were they had to be there. Yeah. I wish they like would have like asked what they were doing there, like, hey, why are you here? <laughs> we're here to steal the gems, bro. No, like what the real answer would have been is it's the Goonies, man. Come on. I like your boobs. <laughs> So, these very physical knuckleheads, again, holding knives to throats, shoving Gretchen down. Yeah, they transcended bullies. Like, they're not bullies. I mean, they're criminals now. (laughs) Yeah, he's full-on psychopath assault. Yeah, like murderers. (laughs) He's pinning Donnie down, and he's got a knife to his throat. They've pushed Gretchen down into the road. Um, You know, she's, she's struggling even to get up. She's got a bloody nose. Like, she's in a bad way. There's a car racing down the street. Headlights illuminate. Uh, Grandma Death standing in the middle of the road in front of her mailbox, holding Donnie's letter. 
car swerves to miss her and runs over Gretchen, who's laying in the road. Okay. It's a red car, and lo and behold, it's the same red car from the beginning of the movie. Uh, car stops, bullies run away. Who steps out of this car but, well, first a clown. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. cl- <laughs> the clown is wearing a mask that's making like an O face. So it kind of looks like, oh my god, what do we do? <laughs> he runs away. Or uh, No, I'm sorry, he doesn't run away. He stands there. Uh, out of the driver's seat comes Frank. Frank the fucking bunny. And takes that mask off and it's the guy who we saw in the movie theater but he's not creepy he's not ghouly he's not uh ghastly he's just like what the fuck bro like he's just a normal dude yeah and it's never implied in the movie but i read that i mean he's he's dating elizabeth like they're together yeah this was the and guy that's that what, she was... he was at the party he left to get more beer he yep. wrote a note on the on the whiteboard yeah but yeah that they're dating so and at the beginning of the movie the implication is that he was leaving their house yes exactly as donnie yep. was coming home that makes sense hmm. okay so donnie pulls out the gun he took from his parents closet shoots frank in the eye let's take a step back though because this is the moment when he's on the ground with that knife to his throat that's the moment that he realizes that everything's clicking into place and he realizes what he has to do. Yeah. Because he's, he yells, I don't know the exact pronunciation of this, what is it, deus ex machina? Ex machina, yeah. yep. So he says that because he knows at this point, you know, this is this is the catalyst that that was needed, that he that wasn't clear to him until that very moment. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because the only way to go back... Or to save Gretchen is to go back in time. Exactly. So that was his that was his moment to move quote the plot or his plot in this case. Yeah. So he uh, kills Frank to get Frank to go back to warn him. Yep. Yeah. Or save him so he can. Yeah. 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 So, in the, you know, in the mythology of this of this film and in the book, these two characters, Frank and Gretchen, are the manipulated dead, whereas yes. all the other characters are the mani- manipulated living. Um, and this is the insurance trap. This is like the universe's way of making sure that uh, Donnie fulfills his end of this right. this deal. Yeah, it's that's an ambiguous like term because it it's not negative. Like yeah. an insurance trap sounds kind of negative because a trap sounds negative, but it's not. I mean, it's a device to make sure that it that it works. You know. Yeah, I mean, on one hand, like everything about this situation was was so manipulative um that you know you could argue that there's like a a negative connotation to it but ultimately like he he really did fall in love with this girl regardless of why you know right right um i mean he was pretty well set up but um yeah it's it's absolutely true like everything did click into place for him in that moment and he figured out you know exactly what he needed to do yep, because uh, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few yeah uh and and grandma death knows too like in the in the moment after the scene happens and the the clown runs away she puts a hand on his shoulder and basically tells him like you know a storm's coming like you gotta go 
right uh deal with it and that's you know I, I think the intention is to show that in writing that book she was once in his position like she was once a chosen yeah. fi- fixer yeah the, she wrote that book based on her experience she was yeah she was the, the, receiver. the living receiver yeah yeah so uh yeah i mean this is kind of where everything comes to a head this is the the uh turning point for the character he scoops up uh gretchen's body and uh drives to that very california yeah. <laughs> spot virginia and, yeah in virginia and uh the virginia there are, desert yeah there's these you know creepy like black clouds you know impending doom and gloom i do have to say i would have taken the porsche i don't know why i took the taurus right i I was thinking the same thing (laughs) end of the world it's not even an sho i would have taken the taurus i mean the the porsche yeah definitely (laughs) he does take the taurus this is a bad choice donnie yeah one last ride right come on come on this isn't risky business take the porsche (laughs) yeah so he he pulls out he's got gretchen in the passenger seat the cops roll up on his house after he's left um makes his way back to his preferred sleeping spot up there in the hills and he sits in the car and watches as the world's about to end and the plane that his mother and sister are on fly overhead and they don't explicitly show this so again it's not um it's stuff that's implied yes but they're on the plane that the engine is ripped from, and he's the one who rips it um, using telekinesis, which is, uh, again, another one of his superpowers in his position as, as the living receiver. Um, like, visually, they don't do anything to show you that he's, like, using a power. It just kind of happens. You know, the plane, like, starts to, to shake, and, and you see the engine fall. Um, but that's what he does. Um, and that causes the tangent universe, as we discussed earlier, to collapse in on itself. So they sh- they sort of they sort of like get around that or show you that by like everything rewinds back to the beginning. Yeah. Um. And back to the beginning, meaning of course he's back in bed like that night when the when the engine crashes through his roof. So he's laughing his ass off. <laughs> just laying in bed because of everything he's just experienced it's just like pure glee you know um like crazed happiness and as this thing's about to plow through the roof and and destroy him he just smiles like in in pure relief because he now understands that what he's doing is going to not only save everyone but save um this girl that he loves because that was his you know they call it an insurance trap but it, it means more than anything to him to his character so right he lays there and accepts that he's going to to be killed and what that means um there's some argument in this uh, you know in this movie as to like whether or not he needed to die i always took it as he definitely did and i didn't really wrap my head around the argument that he didn't 
I think he had to die. I don't think he had to, actually, because if he had to, then why is old Grandma Death still alive? No, because, no, because every situation is different. In this case, he wasn't there when the engine crashed through the first time because Frank got him out. But Frank got him out because But that was in the of, tangent universe. No, I understand the that. The only place that the jet engine can't exist. I, I know that, but because he was pulled away by future Frank, he had to be there because he was supposed to be there. And he wasn't the first time around. So I think he had to die. Well, yeah, my that was that was kind of my understanding was like he had to die, um, like that was necessary in order to preserve the like the stability of the universe. Yeah, like it's one of those things where you know. But the pair, the pair, the prime universe doesn't have the same issues that the tangent universe has. Only the tangent universe would collapse if there's things that are paradoxes. The prime universe that has no effects is linear timeline. Yeah, but I mean, this movie goes a long way to talk about, like, again, predestination. Like, you have to do what you're but that's set only, to do. But that's only in the tangent universe. In the main universe, that's not the case. But I mean, Because the, the book only refers to tangent universe. But couldn't you make the argument then, like, they say we don't know what causes the tangent universe to, to happen. Couldn't, couldn't you make the argument that he was supposed to die, and the fact that he didn't uh, created the glitch. Right. But the glitch happened before that. Well, it happened like at the same kind of time as that. No, but that it, his not being there to die could have been the glitch in the tangent universe. It could have been the catalyst. So he had to be there the second time around in order for the tangent universe to fold in on itself without yeah, harming. But when he gets taken out of the thing by Frank it happens hours before the plane engine falls. So he's clearly in the tangent universe before the, the thing falls. Cause he's not even anywhere near his house. He had to have left like hours before, Yeah, but which... it doesn't, it doesn't matter when he was, when he left, he just, he wasn't there and he was supposed to be there. Yeah. But Frank's the one who told him to leave, which would only have happened in the tangent universe. It wouldn't have happened in the primary universe because Frank didn't exist in the primary but universe. But the, the, uni the tangent universe is the universe that has to fold in on itself to avoid the black hole catastrophe. And it, and well, the tangent everything... universe would be the one that would cause the black hole but see, tying into the, the primary universe versus the tangent universe thing, the primary universe, there's only one version of it, and everything has to go that way. Like, the terms of that universe cannot be changed. If they are changed, it fucks everything up. So, like, it's it's literally written fate. So this is a weird-ass fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, yeah, and to get deeper, the, the whole predestined and predetermination there are a ton of clues in this movie that indicate that that's not always the case okay that i mean just go back to the there's one throwaway scene right where um what are their names karen and 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 and, and uh and monotov mm -hmm. they're sitting there eating in the teacher's lounge and she looks at him and goes donnie darko huh yeah and he just nods so they're in on this fucking thing. They yeah. know. 
Yeah. So so then it's not that's, predestined. That's in the tangent universe where the, everybody has a role to play when they're all manipulated. No, they're not manipulated yes, I, in the primary. Yeah, but, they're only manipulated in. Tangent. I understand, but that makes them not manipulated. That makes them manipulators because they're in on it. Yeah, and but jo- they're manipulated Joe, gotta, to do it. You got to remember too. Donnie has this same argument we're having with his science teacher. Right. Where where his science teacher is saying. Um, if you can see your future, you have a choice to defy it. And Donnie doesn't agree with that. And he and says I, you can't because you're within, God, quote, God's channel with that thing coming out of your chest. Yeah, that weird fucking but I fire think, hose. I think that his, you know, Monotov's comment about fearing losing his job was bullshit because that fucker was in on it in some form and he knew that if he kept having this conversation that things might not have gone the right way okay yeah, even if he was, was almost like it was it was almost yeah. it was almost yeah, as if maybe it wasn't his choice to say that maybe nah, it was no, to say that. there's no reason for them to drop that bomb say you drop that bomb by having her say donnie darko and them being manipulated they're manipulators they're not being manipulated, the two of them. They're in on this in some form, whether or not they are the divine intervention in this. They're yeah, the ones that are They're gu- manipulated to guide him. But that's it, it, there's no reason to have that scene then. There's no reason for them to look at each other knowingly and say his name, knowing that he's the one that's going to fix this damage. There's maybe, no reason for that otherwise. Maybe they put it in there for the trailers. They're like, Donnie Darko. No, there's no, <laughs> there's no reason for it. Okay, so they're in on that shit in some form. Everybody's in on it. The whole no, point is to manipulate him to they, save the universe. They are knowingly in on it. They are well, not so is again. Frank. Frank's knowingly in on it. Well, he's he's a special. No, he's case. playing his part though. He's playing his part, and the old lady's in it and on it because she's part of it, in the sense that she's a she's a teacher and a guide in a wacky grandma death way. But for them to say his name in... in, in and Sharita's in, in on it. Inferring. She's not in on it. The re- no, she's in on it. She's not, she's not in on it, but she's one of the ones... We'll get to that because I want, him, I want Eric to talk about that scene before I talk about Sharita. So I don't yeah. know if you want to move forward. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, there, there's an important scene with Sharita where you learn that she's kind of... I was in love with Donnie, um, or an admirer of Donnie, and she wrote his name on a on a textbook, which was really sweet. Right. But this Don- is that's the scene where he says to her, and I'm sorry because you were probably going to say this. Yeah, yeah. He looks at her and he pulls the ear the earmuffs off, and he says, "I promise that one day everything's going to be better for you." Yeah. And okay. she she runs away and doesn't know what to do with it. Right. With she that said, information. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Shut away. up. Um, you know, again, this is, this whole thing is something that I've heard debated for a long time, because on the one hand, you have people who say, listen, Donnie's only job was to pull that engine off the plane. And that's, he didn't have to, to die. You have another camp that says, well, he does have to die to satisfy the primary universe because he's meant to. So I think that that's maybe open to some kind of interpretation. Right. Yeah, I, I I agree with that absolutely. Um, I feel like he he has to die, and I feel like it's forecast a lot in the movie 
Gretchen says to him, like, some people are born with tragedy in their blood. Um, he, he's always kind of presented as, like, this, you know, this, like, Christ-like figure where, you know... Yeah. Um, no, that's exactly it. Is that Actually, he, Eric, he, I got to correct you. It's a Christ-like figure. Oh, it's right. a Christ-like figure. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Do you celebrate Christmas? <laughs> right, are you a Christian? Well, you're... <laughs> You're not, Eric, and neither am I. But, um, but it's funny to jump back to the to the th- movie theater scene. It was like Horror Fest week, and they're showing Evil Dead and The Last Temptation of Christ. Yeah, yeah. That's a nice little nice little you know? nod, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think if the universe is demanding his sacrifice in order in order to preserve itself. Yes. He finally gets to a point in the movie where he's willing to accept that, and that's why he's smiling and kind of giddy because he's, yeah, you know, he's made peace with it, and you know he understands like what he's doing. Yep. What a deep episode, guys! Right? <laughs> no, I know this is crazy, and we could go on and on. I mean, I know, um, but. Yeah, that's that's how the movie ends, man. Again, in this cut, we get more stuff. When the manipulated awaken from their journey into the Tangent Universe, they are often haunted by the experience in their dreams. Uh, many of them will not remember. Those who do remember the journey are often overcome with profound remorse for the regretful actions buried, buried within their subconscious. Right, so it's subconscious, but here's my point about Sharita. She's laying there smiling because she remembers what Donnie told her. Yeah. Like and she that knows that she's going to be okay. Yeah. So this changed her life in a positive way because she's, she's aware on, on a more conscious level than the other people in that little montage. Oh, yeah. You know? I, I totally buy that, man. I feel like, yeah. And I... It's funny that never jumped out at me until you said it, but yeah, that's that's beautiful, yeah. man. Like that, yep. that. I mean, everybody who was affected by him was affected in either a really positive way or a really negative mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jim Cunningham, they show him sobbing, like, you know. Yeah, and kills himself. Yes, we're You're right. Yeah. But he gets rid of all his child porn before he does it, so that way yeah. like, he does get remembered for it. Well, yeah, even Kitty realizes, or we hope anyway, and but Frank's she's devastated by these feelings that she has, these subconscious feelings that she's just had in these dr- she, what she thinks are dreams. Yeah, I mean, that shot of Kitty, she's got her hand over her mouth, like she realizes, like, yeah. oh, everything I believe is bullshit. Right. Like, Except you know. Sparkle Motion. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Except for Sparkle Motion, yeah. Let's not yeah. disparage the the name of Sparkle Motion, no. but but just you know his whole argument to her like there's more to life than fear and love. Like she's having that realization. Right. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And and then at the very end, the interaction between Rose and and Gretchen. I mean that brings me to tears every time I watch the fucking movie. Um, you know, just them recognizing, you know, deja vuing each other basically. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's definitely heavy. The watching the dad in that scene when they're taking the body away, yes, crushes me. Oh, a hundred percent, absolutely. Because you're right. That's you know he's been Mr. Happy, Mr. Light, Mr. Comedic Relief. Yeah, and then to see that devastation on his face, and um, the mom's yeah. just there smoking a cigarette. 
Yeah, yeah she's she's yeah. numb to it all. She's in shock. She's in shock. Yeah, you know? she goes to a completely other place. Yeah. But he's just sobbing, and it's so hard to watch, man. Yeah, yeah, yep. But uh, yeah, that that's Donnie Darko, guys. It is a, uh, it's an odd little movie. Um, like I said, now at this point, I think fair to say a cult classic. And, yes. Uh, yeah. We we went on a wild ride there. We and went down some deep uh, rabbit holes through so the looking speak. glass. Yeah, and uh, Gary Jewell is very happy that this movie exists, and he's even more happy that they couldn't get the rights to a U two song. Yeah, <laughs> they had to go to him because this made his career. <laughs> I do love that song. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, even the Tears for Fears version of it is fantastic, but the Gary Jewell version is so damn haunting. It's just amazing. Yeah, there's actually a bunch of versions of that song. That yeah, are yeah. Pretty yeah. Good. It, now, that's a song you can cover. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, all right, whatever you say. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get back Fuck Nirvana. Uh, you know, we can, go, we can go another hour if you want to talk about how <laughs> dare you fucking put Nirvana in the same sentence as the Beatles. How fucking dare you? But anyway, we're going to yeah. stop that. We'll save I mean, it for a JSM episode. One basically came over playing pop music, yeah, and the other and, actually created okay. a brand new genre. Yeah, the other created a brand so all you little whiny bitch kids could fucking <laughs> cry about your lives. <laughs> yeah. Your fucking middle-class privileged lives. Oh, it's so man. bad. One what? just took a bunch, of, a bunch of dudes in a suit with long hair and played pop music, and the right. other like destroyed the fucking hair metal monarchy. Okay. <laughs> All right. I this mean, is, this they're, is, all, they're uh, super comparable. <laughs> you guys are never going to agree on this, and I love it. I love <laughs> anyway. it so much. I mean, I love the Beatles, so don't get me wrong. No, no, I, no, I, I like it, the both. I don't dislike Nirvana. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying, Nirvana had a massive, massive, massive change on the, uh, the way everything went. The Beatles, they came over and made a bunch of teen girls wet. That's you, you are you you oh whatever. Just I, I mean I'm we had stop a, now. I'm we had other rock right. bands. They were going at the same time that were um, very similar. To the Beatles. Just gonna I'm gonna do what I did in the episode on JSM is I'm just gonna shut up now and I'm gonna let you bury yourself. <laughs> All right. Boys, break just it keep up. Keep digging, baby. Joe, keep the pixies the pixies were better anyway. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I like the pixies, but yeah. All right. All right, so listen, this this movie was also cool because they did a lot of extracurricular stuff when it came out. One of those was a really intense website, um, which I don't think you can still see at this point, but it had obituaries on it. So really? you get to learn about events that occurred after the film. Um, the first one is that Roberta Sparrow died at the age of 101. Um, she died on Christmas Day at her home. Uh, Dr. Kenneth Montnoff dies in a hit-run car accident on August 12, 1999. And Jim Cunningham was found dead on the 14th hole of the Country Club golf course. He had apparently shot himself. Before he committed suicide, he cleared out his entire mansion, including his child-porn dungeon. Uh, Police found his suicide note, but nothing else. So his dirty secret was never revealed. Um, but it's it's interesting that he shot himself on the same hole that Donnie wakes up on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that is cool. Um, made me think about this just now because of the website thing. Um, I'm gonna send you guys a picture. Remember that book I sent you earlier about the rabbits one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was telling you how like it has reference Donnie Darko. I was reading these like in between chapters is these little like notes things. I don't know why I caught my eye, but if you look around the border of that, that's fucking Morse code. 
And when I translated that, it took me to a fucking website. And um, the website is 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 insane. It's a Tumblr site, and like it's really going down the fucking rabbit hole. I think like this Holy game shit. may be real, like because yeah. <laughs> like now onward goes was a fuck was a part is like part of the the chapter. It's part of what this lady wrote. There's this fucking crazy oh man, it like literally is going down the rabbit hole in this this book. Mm, I'm boy. like that's I'm pretty cool. excited to read this. That's book. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah, and this site's been going on for a while. It's well, not the like podcast has been going on for a couple seasons now. Yeah, I need to look at that podcast too. Yeah. Oh, I, I will don't... mention too, as you watch this movie, there is a mysterious man in a red jogging yeah. outfit um, in two scenes that they're, you know, one is the scene where he's leering at the couple and she don't want to kiss, and he shows up at the party, I think, later. Um, they said officially that he's like an undercover FAA agent. Huh. Yeah, he's there at the end, at the, the, the second engine crash. He's one of the guys in a suit with sunglasses on. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, same I actor, but yeah, he's supposed to be, right, FAA, because they, they're they just trying to figure out how Donnie's tied to this mysterious engine. Appearing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that is, that is it. Um, you even got the extra stuff. So at this point in the show, uh, it's time for us to dive into our reviews. And you know what that means, kids. I am a movie critic by trade, and until recently, I got paid to tell you people which movies merely stink and which ones you shouldn't screen near an open flame. Well, I'm putting the burden of lousy movies back on you. It's very simple. If you stop going to bad movies, they'll stop making bad movies. If the movie used to be a TV show, just don't go. After Roman numeral two, give it a rest. If it's a remake of a classic, Rent the classic. Tell them you want stories about people, not a hundred million dollars of stunts and explosives. People, it's up to you. If the movie stinks, just don't go. Stinks. It stinks. It stinks. Are you not entertained? <laughs> it's so it's so short and to the point and concise. I, oh, I, I took a short nap while we were. I woke up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, Donnie Darko. Um, let's start with Doug. Doug, what is your rating? All right. Um, I've seen this a bunch of times. It's been a while, so I appreciated today's viewing and i really did i'm kind of happy it was the director's cut i understand trust me we we connect on you know that uh on your side as leading the episode but um having those note pages made a world of difference in understanding what was going on so um but i've always dug the movie even when it was sort of you know i remember when i saw it when it first came out it was sort of like just cool to think it was cool so, you know what I mean? Like, you could say, yeah, it's a really cool movie. And if you don't understand anything that was going on in it, yeah, um, you know, and you had you had your bragging rights. So, no, I, I, I do really dig this movie. So, in the end, it will be a solid four out of five for me, 4.0. Nice. I was going to say the first piece of trivia I found when I was uh, making my notes was uh, 
at the rap party for the film, Seth Rogen and Jake Gyllenhaal agreed that they had no idea what the movie was about. Exactly. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. Exactly. So I, I can totally relate to that, but, you know. So, That's yeah. awesome, man. 4.0. 4. 4. 4. All right. Joe, where are you at with Donnie? Uh, I, uh, I enjoyed it more now that I fucking took the time to really try to figure out what it was about than just watching it. Um. It's a fun movie. It's good. The cast is great. Um, like you said, the, everyone's right for the role. The weird dog statue I could do without. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the mongrel baby. The mongrel. Yeah, I could do. I could do without that. He I looked mean, at. He. You know what it looks like? It looks like a altered version of Ms. Marvel's dog. Whatever yeah. that dog oh, yeah. is. It's know? the Greendale human being. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, you know. Uh, I, I like fun movies more often than not, just my personal opinion, so that always sways me. And, you know, they did have the whole Smurf scene, which kind of almost saved it in the sparkle motion. <clears throat> but because it's it's still a, a dark movie, no pun intended, uh, I'm, I'm probably going to go like a 3.8. Okay. Respectable. I get it. Still I high. absolutely get it. I mean, I would give it a higher score if it was more fun, but it's just so depressing. <laughs> <laughs> It is it is a darko movie. I guess. But that is that is still a very respectable score, and I completely. I can't go any lower because the movie's fucking great. No, no, no. Exactly. Yeah. I completely get where you're coming from, and I'll bet you. I'll bet you if you if we threw this out to a hundred people, you'd get a, a wide variety of ratings. Yeah. You know, so oh, yeah. I totally get that. Oh yeah, my my wife fucking hates this movie. And has always hated this movie. So does mine. <laughs> yeah. It's, oh, mine actually enjoyed it. And like we were talking about earlier today when I was reading that same website that you had. Because <laughs> it literally yeah, has, yeah. Exact, <laughs> has some stars in the background and shit. Oh, yeah. The, the old Danny Darko, what the fuck does this movie mean webpage. Exactly. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. This was, uh, I still love this movie. Um, I hadn't seen it in a while. And it was interesting watching this cut of it. But it didn't. it didn't take much away from like my enjoyment of it it just kind of diluted it a little bit um i i think it's it's a thought-provoking movie um even if like the plotting is is sloppy and even if things maybe don't make sense i i think there's it's it's like being a fan of anything man you can do like apologetics on it be like oh no you know and there's all this cool like I don't know, background stuff that you can continue to watch this movie and, and pick up on. Like, there's rabbits hidden everywhere in the movie. Um, there's a Volkswagen rabbit that drives by at a certain ah, point. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, his sister's holding a stuffed rabbit. There's a picture of him dressed as a rabbit. So there's all these. This he was little... holding a rabbit during therapy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you two should read this rabbit book with me and we should have a fucking book club on it. We should, man. <laughs> I'm in. I'm into it. Um,. Yeah. So yeah, there's just a lot of fun to be had with this movie, even though it is it is uh, you know serious and and somber and kind of depressing. Um, it's all of that in a hopeful way, like it ends in a hopeful way, even though he's right. he's dying. So um, anyway, all that said, I I give it a four point two. Um, nice. You know, Definitely. it's not not a perfect movie, um, but it's just it's got a lot of spirit and it's got a lot of originality. So. Oh yeah, definitely. And it's funny, you, really quick, you talk about the rabbits everywhere. The the watership down clips aren't in the theatrical release; they're only in the director's cut. 
Oh, so, wow. Okay. Yeah, that's something, a note that I saw. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, like I said, there were there were some redeeming qualities to this cut. Like, I wanted to, to poo-poo all over it, but I got some scenes that I really liked that I had never seen before, so that was that was a plus. Yep. Um, yeah. Also, <laughs> if we're talking about trivia, I can't leave this out of the episode. Vince Vaughn turned down the part of Donnie Darko due to his age, and Mark Wahlberg was interested in the part, but only if he could play it with a lisp. Oh, God. <laughs> like, could you fucking imagine? I, yeah, I can imagine the arrogance of Mark Wahlberg <laughs> thinking he, that he had it nailed with the lisp. That, yeah. I mean, I could just think, Marky Mark, how fresh out of Marky Mark land was he when he was offered this role? And then he would be that pretentious about it, that fuckface. Yeah, <laughs> Fuck yeah I'm, I'm really glad neither one of them did that. Yeah. Fuck them. <laughs> Me too. That would have sucked. <laughs> oh, that's hysterical. Ugh. All right, guys. You like eggs? <laughs> what? What? You like eggs? Eggs? Do you like eggs? Uh, you, you're losing me on this one, yeah, bud. We're, we're out. What are you supposed to say? Oh, you mean dogs. Oh, Degs. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Degs? Yeah, okay. Well, when he said it the first time in that movie, I didn't understand what the fuck he was saying until I turned the subtitles on. That's anyway. how good my fucking Brad Pitt accent is. <laughs> <laughs> you still don't know what the fuck I was saying. Yep. And you won't know what the fuck we're saying on the next episode when we do the movie Snatch. That is correct. Yeah. That is a hard movie to understand. One I will be Guy subtitling the shit out of that. Really? It's not his best. Oh, I fucking love it. It's the movie that single-handedly made me want a Desert Eagle point five zero. Yeah. Oh, I'm not saying oh, I don't no, enjoy it. I just favorite movies. Yeah. And not it. a re- not a replica. Yeah. Not a replica. The only subtitles I used on that one were were for Brad were Pitt. for Pitt Brad Pitt's and I did it once and now I know what he's saying so it's all good. Yeah, I otherwise I, guess, I get it because I love British gangster movies. Like that's like, yeah. I guess because I'm Irish, I kind of have the air for it. Yeah, but yeah. I knew what he's saying. But I love that line. He's like, "Oh, you mean dogs? Yeah, they're good, but I like caravans better." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Uh, anyways, yeah. we hope y'all have uh, enjoyed this. Since we remembered to do the Patreon up front, we're gonna say thank you again. That yes. way. I knew I wouldn't forget. Exactly. Yeah. Lights. Oh, so I'm actually saying thank you? No, sorry. Yeah. I fucked this all up. <laughs> no, sorry, we, guys. We can't, come on. Lights. Camera. Fuck off. Hey, guys. Are you a guitar player and you like custom stuff? Well, if you are... Uh, you've come to the wrong place, honestly. Uh, no, I'm just playing. My name's Joe, and I run a, a little company called Like My Pedals. And I don't believe in websites, because they're for suckers. So if you want to find me, you got to go to facebook.com backslash likemypedals and send me a message. You know, when you look at the shelf and you just say, they never have exactly what I want, well, that's kind of where I come into play for you here. You want a picture of a little tiny Yoda eating a frog's eggs and ruining every hope of Star Wars ever making a good series? Come to me. I'll put it on a pedal. I may not like the show, but I'm definitely not against selling out. Um, if you want electrolytes, because that's what guitar players crave, well, I'll make you a custom idiocracy pedal. You know, it's whatever you want, really, with Like My Pedals, because you want people to look at your board and say, man, I like your pedals. <laughs>